Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Lions Den podcast. This is episode number 36. I'm your host, Fatty, and I got a very special guest today. Uh, this is my first formal conversation with this individual, but uh, from our past conversations, he's definitely a cool guy. He likes podcasts. I think he even started a podcast for a bit. So any podcaster is a good person in my books. Uh, without further ado, everyone, meet my next guest, Tim. Tim, how are you, man? Hey, Fatty. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, squeezing me in and uh, being flexible with me. I had to move it around a couple of times, but I uh, appreciate your time, dude. No problem. It's a pleasure. And congrats on your recent 5K. Yes, sir. It's very Thank nice. You. I appreciate Atta that. Boy. Atta boy. Thank Love you, man. It. I appreciate that. It's uh, it's all yeah. uh, it's all because of the great guests that we've had on. People want to listen to them t- tell their stories. So it's it's been good, man. It's been good. Hopefully uh, 10K is next for sure. Cool, man. I'm sure it will be. Congrats. Yeah. So, yeah. so Tim, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you reaching out and you've shown me support over the last you know month or so and you've been pretty vocal about that. So I really appreciate that. Um, but I'm excited to talk business and talk what it is that you do. Um, so without you know, getting into too much detail, can you just share with our listeners what your current position or title would be? Yeah, I, I would say I'm the founder and medical lead over at Mimico Medical. Uh, and we uh, opened in 2018, November 2018. So we just hit our two-year two year anniversary. And that would be my current title for sure. Yeah, happy anniversary, man. So this Thank is something you. that you started a couple years back. Now, what? Uh, how big is the clinic? Like, how many services do you guys offer? Uh, just like like a brief background of what you guys do. Yeah, so Mimical Medical is a very homegrown clinic. You know, a lot of the the staff, providers, management are people that kind of grew up in South Etobicoke, even around the Mimical area. And you know, the the pharmacy we're next to Castle's Pharmacy. It was started in the fifties by the grandfather Castle, and and now his son is seventy six years old and still running it. And yeah. you have the San Remo Bakery there, and you have the Bozzo brothers who who took over the bakery from their mom and dad. So. It's a lot of um, it's a very unique community, and yeah. um, what's special about our clinic is that we offer a lot of services, but all of our services are provided by people who understand um, kind of the culture there. And um, you know, we we have eight family doctors now that are practicing. Um, you know, most of them are accepting patients. Um, we have uh, a physiotherapist in house, Tara. She's amazing. Um, someone I've known since the days of high school. Um, we, we always talked about doing this one day together. Yeah. And um, we also have uh, an in-house psychiatrist, um, Dr. Banub, who who adds a, a great dynamic to to what we're able to provide. Yeah. Uh, we also have our psychologist, Shelly Gorman, who has uh, so much experience in the field. And, um, and, and then, you know, we're trying to expand our services. We're trying to offer on-site orthotics and chiropathy. Uh, we, we actually... Um, just agreed in principle with a group of local cardiologists who are also committed to the, to their long-term service to the community um, to start offering some in-house cardiology services and, and heart monitors. So, that's you know, amazing, th- that's kind of where we're at now. But, um, you know, we're always looking at ways to, to expand our services and improve accessibility and and kind of kind of really um, just just make our, our system better in, in the way we can locally in the location that we're at. You know, yeah, that sounds awesome. And it's it, honestly to, to your point about Tara and knowing someone from high school and being able to do business with them now, it's it's got to feel amazing. Like back in the day when you're having these conversations, because how many times have we had those conversations with our friends like, yo, in the future, 
We're gonna run a business, and we're gonna set up a PS4, or Xbox, or whatever. Have parties, be, buddy. It's gonna be, be the at, best. We'd, <laughs> we'd be at high school house parties, and we'd go stand in the corner and talk about, you know, what we wanted to do. Overhead, and then, how to cut costs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we knew all that back then, but you know, definitely twenty years later, we're talking about it. Yeah, for you sure. know, but but you know, from from you know the the business standpoint and and managing the clinic. Um, you know, it's it, it, not everybody's involved in that. And there are a lot of different agreements that have to come through and contracts that have to be uh, drafted and reviews to make sure that, you know, every ev- everybody's uh, understanding yeah. what's going on. And yeah, even sure. just the processes of, um, of uh, you know, keeping things invoiced and check, you know, balances. Yeah. And so it gets it gets tricky sometimes. So, so coming up sure. with systems is, is something we do real but we do a lot of yeah. how to and, streamline and workflows. One thing I honestly really enjoy too is the fact that you're you're building a one-stop shop. It's like all things medical. Like whatever you need all your services we we got it done here. So that's it's like a it's like a little ecosystem that you're building. It's absolutely our ultimate yeah. goal, right? Ultimately, you know, we can only do so much in the space and with the with the resources we have, but sure. whatever we can do, we want to do that eventually. Absolutely. Now, Tim, before before you were the businessman you are today, before you hit the two year anniversary, you were once a soul solely a doctor. Uh, you went to school for medicine. So let's hear about your educational path. Like, where did you go to school? Um, what was that like for you? Because right now I have a sister who's going through the process of trying to get in and she's pursuing dentistry. And I'm seeing the the amount of stress that you have to go through and a lot of things that you got to get done to get to that goal. So talk us, talk to us a little bit about that, man. Yeah, it was interesting for me because definitely I wasn't the type of person where school was my number one focus in life. I was a really social guy and I like to socialize and that obviously held me back from working on my potential, maybe in my earlier years, in my late, late teens and twenties. Um, but I did all right. I did good enough to be able to, you know, um, take the route through through a foreign medical school. But, um, you know, I just at that point in my life really dedicated myself to my medical studies and made yeah. sure I did really well in my board exams so that I could stand out. And that helped me get into a really great residency program at the University of Florida. And, you know, I had the privilege of, and honor of being the chief resident in my last year. Um, but that program, that just really gave me the confidence and and the skills and the patience and the bedside manner that allows us to kind of yeah. kind of continue that brand and that quality of care you know that culture of care i call it a culture yeah. of care where in florida were you gainesville gators gainesville yeah, home That's... of the gators buddy uh, did, you ever, where, where, did you ever go to any they, gators like games Gatorade. yeah we, we went to a lot of gator games we we actually had the opportunity to take care of the um the fans in the in the stadium so we had a press pass or like a, a medical worker pass so you know we could kind of go on the sidelines and enjoy the yeah, game yeah, from yeah. right there so it was wow, cool we awesome. we used to also um i also had a, a football team a high school football team yeah. uh just you know half an hour north of gainesville so i'd go out there once a week and stand on the sidelines so it was, it was an awesome experience when were, you, when were you there i was there from 2012 to 2015 Okay, okay. So past the Tim Tebow days. Yeah, that was after yeah, the well Tim past the Tim Tebow yeah, yeah, yeah. days. Okay. Yeah, there wasn't much. There wasn't much. I don't think they had very. Good, I was gonna say, uh, I feel like Florida, Florida Gators, like height of excitement was like oh six, oh seven when they had the basketball team with like. He's Joe a Kimmel hero and, slash yeah. god in Gainesville. 
yeah. truly yeah. is, you know. I can only imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we once balled with Billy Donovan's uh, son. You, I think Billy Donovan's son was probably around 16 or so no with his way. buddies <laughs> in the um, in the practice facility. Yeah. And you should have seen these guys go. They were crossing over through the leg. You know, one guy could, could dunk already. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was cool. It was a fun it's, experience. It's different man. water down there in the States. When you look at these kids, you're like, how is this happening? Like, I remember when my sister was going through sports as well. She played a tournament in Pittsburgh against like kids four or five years younger than them, and they were running circles around them. It's like it's just a different and different it's a lot of pressure, down, especially on in Florida. Teenagers. It's a lot of pressure yeah, on these kids. Sure. You know, I always I always couldn't imagine the amount of pressure on these kids and yeah. the types of injuries they'd have too. You know, yeah, for sure. These are serious injuries. So fourteen yeah, year olds with like thought, torn ACLs. You know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that, you know, stuff. those types of things were pretty common, but they, even more than that, you know, you would see some really, I, pre, I presented uh, at a national conference, a hemorrhage that I had in one game where literally it was clear everyone out of the way, hold his pulse and, and pray that 911 gets it on time. And that's a 15 year old, right? Wow. So, so, you know, it's, it, it's maybe, you know, it's food for thought. We don't have to get into it, but oh, that's a whole yeah, different it was, discussion. It was a good experience. Man. Yeah. 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 That's, probably more <laughs> get, that's probably more for the other podcasts, not even this yeah. one, but, yeah, but maybe right. we'll talk about that soon. But in terms of your love for science slash medicine, when did you really fall in love with it? Was there a moment where you kind of went, aha, this is it. This is, this is what I want to do. Or was this something that you were kind of like forced into and then you ended up loving because you spent so much time focusing on well dad dad was a psychiatrist so he was a medical doctor um i I don't think he forced me into it or or my younger sister for that matter she's a pediatrician out in san diego but um he convinced us he did a good job you know he took us for a nice euro trip in 94 for for over a month and i remember one day we're sitting on the train and and my mom and my sister were were taking a nap and he just kind of talked to me about you know, we wouldn't be able to have a trip like this if I was not a doctor. And he gave me so many reasons why, you know. And yeah. I think from that day forth, I was about 10 years old. I think at that point, I just said, okay, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. You know, yeah. he convinced me. And that was it. And then from there, you know, that was just the focus. Just took off from there. And and that was kind of like the goal that you set for yourself. Uh, and then you fast forward a few years, you get into your program. Now, what was your specialization uh, when you were doing your residency? I was a family medicine doctor, so I was okay. trained as a family medicine physician. Okay. And yeah. was there a specific reason you had picked that one? Because uh, honestly, personality-wise, I feel like you'd be a great family doctor. I don't know if that's why you picked it. It's just you seem like that person. Well, I knew I couldn't be you know, sitting in an OR and, and uh, doing that because there's yeah. no human interaction. And the human interaction you do have can be quite intense yes, um, with course. your coworkers, right? Uh, and I knew I couldn't be you know, something like a radiologist or pathologist uh, uh, sitting behind a screen or a microscope. And then I didn't love monot- monotony. So you know, I, I don't think I'd I think I would get bored if, if I was focusing on just one yeah. organ system. So I like the detective work. I like to, you know, they say, you know, the jack of all trades, the master of none. Yeah. But definitely yeah. as I continue to practice, I continue to learn and educate myself. And um, I'm certainly developing some areas of of special interest, we'll call it, instead of yeah. specialty. Yeah, and sure. I think I'm getting pretty good at them, you know. No, absolutely. And it's ironic you mentioned that your sister's a pediatrician because I would have also guessed – that would be something that I feel like your your personality is is good for. I don't know if you've ever thought about pediatrician or pediatrics or at any point, but 
that from a personality standpoint, I feel like that's I would have guessed that as well. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Fetty. With the beauty of family medicine is that you know you go from one room and you're dealing with you know an, a ninety something year old yeah. or one call, and then you go into another room and you have a newborn there, you know, waiting to do a newborn exam. So I do have kids as part of my practice, and sure. and I do feel comfortable, you know, taking care of of healthy children and making sure their vaccines are up to schedule. And I think. As a family doctor, we have the ability to understand if something's above our head and if we need yeah. to consult a pediatrician. So, but it's really the beauty. I, like I, I have fun with kids. I go in there. I'm a goofy doctor, right? I do a trick with my glasses. I make the stethoscope fly around, you know, to, to do anything exactly anything yeah. to entertain them as I examine them. You know, absolutely, man. I, I totally understand, and it's I can fun. definitely see that in, in our conversation here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about the clinic. So you said a couple years ago you've you've had it open. You you guys are two years in November. So let's talk about the different hats that you've had to wear because pre business you're a science slash medicine student, and now you have to like we said earlier worry about overhead, cutting your costs, paying people, hiring people dealing with like human issues. So I want to hear about your learning experience, what the last two years have been like for you. And, you know, someone being a doctor with a medical background, not a business background, was it tough for you in the beginning to, to figure things out? So, you know, when I first came back in 2015, I, I did start becoming, um, you know, I, I started practicing and I became the first doctor at a new clinic that was was being opened by a few other physicians who had already successfully opened up another clinic. So, you know, for whatever reason, I just found myself doing a lot of management there. And um, I think I learned a lot those three years. And when I jumped into Mimico Medical, I think the hardest part was was wearing all those hats, kind of as you alluded to, you know, um, because, you know, we had hours of operation at the time. And uh, there was I had to work high volumes in order to keep things going. Um, and at the same time, I had to take care of all the bookkeeping and accounting and understand uh, how, when to pay, how to pay the taxes and payroll. And so it, it was brutal. It was really, really brutal. Yeah. How to finesse the uh, taxes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, but you know what? I'm going to tell this to any anybody who starts a business. You have to do it. You oh, have to 100%. understand your business inside out. Because if you're going to become, you know, the leader of that company or organization, you, you, at one point you don't need to know all the nitty gritty anymore. But you it, you need to have a gestalt, and you have to have a very good understanding of each component of that gestalt. Yeah. So that was necessary, but it was brutal. It it was really brutal for me and my family. Um, and at the same time, you have to somehow not allow that to displace onto your patients. So you have to continue to treat them with empathy and respect and with patience. So it, it was really tough. Um, but now, uh, you know, as I alluded to, we're very homegrown. You know, I've been able to convince a couple of other people of the business mind and management mind, operations mind over the past couple of years um, that I've also grown up with in the community and who also yeah. understand our population. And they've really come in and now we're starting to see the delegation of duties and responsibilities. And over the past, I would say, eight months, I think all I'm doing is being a doctor. And now I've started to teach more students at U of T, especially yeah. in the virtual world. They need they need us to be able to do that. We can't lose the ability to train them. And so I, I'm really now having a lot of fun. And I think I'm, you know, really able to dedicate myself to my patients a lot, a lot more than I was able to before. And I'm happy yeah. about that. And that's amazing to be able to actually like 
quantifiably see that you know when we first started i was putting in this amount of work and now i'm putting in you know it might not be less work but at least you're putting it in different areas or, or spreading it out That's more exactly. evenly rather than focusing it in, in one or two uh specific areas so for for people who might not know you you have young kids so you have yeah. i don't know how old they are specifically but they're young uh to the point where i feel like one of them may not have even been born two years ago um, that's right or, and the other one would have been super young so he would have been uh, young yeah yeah so a lot of times when we talk when i talk to entrepreneurs and we talk about that step you know that that leap of faith and taking that jump i feel like a lot of times people don't consider that same thing for someone who's a doctor right and you don't even consider like this is the most stable of jobs like i why i could just you know find a clinic and set up shop there and and you know really do a great job and stand out and have this be my career or I could do what Tim's doing and start this whole idea of a clinic that offers all these different services at the same time that I have a very young kid and a family. So I want to hear from you about that step, that leap of faith. What was your thought process like? And were there any times you were almost ready to call it quits and go back to just working wherever you were working beforehand? So it was something I always knew I wanted to do. You know, when I would do it, I didn't know. I had been investigating and looking at a lot of options. And, and but because Mimico was so close to where I wanted to be and where my my wife wanted to raise our family. It, and I knew that someone would go in there and snatch up the space overnight. I became very aggressive. And that kind of goes back to what you say. Like, was I ever thinking about saying, no, I'm going to you know, just, you know, go and I'm going to avoid this. No, I couldn't be. And, and that goes down to, you know, the support you have at home. You know, my wife, um, you know, she, she has really given me the opportunity to take these steps with the support and, and really had to feel the brunt of the time that I was away from the house with our young Leo at the time. And, you know, I think with Max this time around, um, he's he's about three months, three and a half months old, and Leo's about three and a half years old. So with Max, the younger one, um, I think things are better now, especially with COVID, working from home a lot more. I'm around a lot more. My my clinical hours aren't as much, and I don't have as much admin to do. Sure, and yeah. um, so th- things, I think, are better. But um, no, I, I di- really didn't look back. I mean, it was like we both knew this was the plan, and we had talked about it a lot. Um, before our marriage, after our marriage, um, and we we knew what it was going to take. We knew the sacrifice it was going to take. But again, we ha- we've now had um, a lot of support um, from the beginning from our families, and that's grown into a lot of support from the community. So we're yeah. lucky. We're very lucky. That's amazing, man. I'm happy for you. Congratulations on on the baby, and happy that mom Thank and baby you. are safe. Uh, man, yeah, you're you're just going through it right now. Every couple of years, just. Whole new changes. So one one year you have your first kid, then two years later you start a business, then two years later you have another kid. So I'm excited to see what the next two years has in store for you, man. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. So let's um, let's talk about some of the challenges that you face because we've had some. I feel like our conversation has been very positive, and and I like that. But uh, with every sure. business and every endeavor, every opportunity, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be roadblocks that you come across. So. Before talking about 2020, which is in itself a roadblock of a year, I want to hear about things in the beginning processes when you were first starting. 
What were some of the challenges that you came across? Because I personally have not seen many clinics that are structured like yours. Now, obviously, right. you've done you've done your market research. You know the clinics much more than I do, so maybe you can allude to that. But it sounds like you're you're doing something a little bit different. So I'm assuming with that, you're going to see some challenges. So I want to hear from you. Uh, if any challenges, what did you no, go through? No, definitely. Yeah, no, there are challenges. And, and you know, if you're thinking about it from an entrepreneurial sense, I think it was kind of that classic challenge of being under-resourced and growing very quickly. And that was a huge challenge because it led to um, a lot of areas that you realize quickly, man, I can't keep doing it manually like this. I need to streamline this or else I'm toast. You know, and, 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 and the other challenge was finding good staff. It's not easy working in the healthcare industry. You know, the, the people who are the, the staff that are picking up the phones and the nurses that are talking to patients, you know, they, they have to deal with some very difficult situations and they're very difficult correspondences and not everybody's cut out for it. So, you know, the, the turnover over the last two years to, to settle with a team that you can move forward with has been a challenge. But, you know, I think we've we've gotten there in different facets of the clinic. So now each, you know, division or, or area in the clinic uh, department, you can call them. Now you're starting to, to see, you know, leaders emerge and, and take care of things. So, you know, I think we've overcome that hurdle, but it was definitely a big hurdle. It was a point, a lot of anxiety and lost sleep. And then the other thing was funding it, right? This is all on leverage. You know, we're not going to sit here, you know, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, that that's kind of, you know, um, it, you got to sometimes, you know, lean on the bank a little. 100%, so you got to, you know, you got to just, um, you especially know, in pay, Canada. Pay. Absolutely. So, you know, I've, I've never once not paid the staff on time or not paid it legit to, to the way it's supposed to go. And so sometimes you have to, you know, I call it the financial gen- gymnastics. So the financial gymnastics is a bit of a challenge, right? Um, but it's working out. And if you have a good accountant and now we have a good bookkeeper and we're, we're auditing our company and we're, we're going to get a better look at what the state, uh, the order of our affairs are. And so, you know, I think we've overcome those hurdles and I think we're ready to grow. Yeah. I, I do. That's yeah. amazing, man. And it's it's great because it seems like you spent the last couple of years putting all the things in place to prepare you for that, you know, that growth. Because and a lot of people don't even realize is that before you grow, before things start getting smooth, like you said, you brought up a great point. You have to streamline a lot of these processes, man. Like absolutely. Like even on a small scale, like when I started recording podcasts, I had a USB mic set up and I was doing like two, three hours of recording it. And I was like, man, if I want any chance of growing this or making this, you know, more suitable or for the listener or enjoyable, I need to streamline this process. I need to find different things. I can't spend all this time editing and you, you just pivot from there and you set yourself up for success. So I, and I, 100% I have a feeling agree. it'll be endless for you too. I find, I, I don't end. think it's going to end. I think there's always something that you can yeah. create a workflow, a new workflow always. or streamline it or outsource it. Or so, you know, yeah. it, it's, and the, it's and a the entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial brain runs wild. Like any day you might have a crazy new idea. You're like, now I'm going to do this. And now you added a whole other like process to what you're already doing and then it just adds like like you said it's endless man you get one thing done and you're like now i have time to get this thing done and make that better and this better and that better. but i'll make it i'll make this one point in my case which i i think i i don't think i was clear about it earlier is that streamlining and creating the workflows and bringing in people who are talented and able to help you with those processes me now creating that business aside 
the best part of it is, is that I truly get to dedicate myself to the patients, right? I get to be the best doctor that I can be. And at the end of the day, I always say this to my staff, when you're in the healthcare industry, always bring it back to the patient. doesn't matter what it is. If it's an internal conflict or mistake, bring it back to the patient. If someone you're dealing with someone externally, a third party, bring it back to the patient. If you're dealing with the patient, bring it back to the patient. You see, and if you do that in the healthcare industry, right, if you always try and make things better for your patients, more accessible, more diverse care, more services, you'll never go wrong from a business standpoint. So in my mind, I'm now at the point where I don't need to to sit there and worry about the ins and outs and dollars and cents. I can think bigger picture. What can we do to make things best for my patients? Because I know financially it's bound to work out as long as we're doing the proper calculations and you see of course of course and those are things that you figure out and tips and tricks that you learn across you know as you continue to grow so yeah it's it's definitely this is what i'm learning from talking to people who operate their own business especially people who don't have a business background you kind of just figure things out and and as you go you just make things better so um you talked about your community culture being in mimico and how you know the people there they're very patriotic to their culture it seems like it's like a sub culture within mississauga slash toronto slash etobicoke i'm not sure exactly mimico's location i think it's like it's in, in the of all those three yeah it's, so it's, it's in, in etobicoke. south etobicoke but west etobicoke so you yeah. go a couple uh, you know just uh, past the 427 there yeah it's at so uh, royal it's like, york and yeah yeah it seems like it's its own little country over there it, it's it's definitely feels like a village it feels like a little village you have your little you have your meat market right you have your breakfast spot you have your your bakery and your coffee yeah. shop and and then you have your bread your your bread store and and all the convenience stores and so it, it yeah. is it's uh historically it was more of a, a blue collar uh town um but it is it is gentrifying and the the um there was you know there is uh you know th- there are certain needs in that population yeah right yeah um, that we have to meet that maybe aren't comfortable for all practitioners. And I, I think that's really why it, it's a special type of group we have, because I think those a lot of our, our physicians and other providers and staff, they knew what they were getting themselves into. You yeah. know, and yeah. I, I think that's a big thing. Certainty is a, a, a big thing for that's needed for success. You know? Absolutely. And in terms of community culture, like that is something that's so good because when they fall in love with your brand, they're not going to go anywhere. But to that point, it's also hard because you're coming into this community that's established. They've been around for however many years they have. uh, They definitely have clinics in place and doctors in place and whatever the case may be. So did you find in the beginning, it was challenging to get people to come in uh, to go to leave the, the, the clinics or whatever that they were accustomed to? Because when you go to towns like that, it's, it's very uniform like this. We go here for the for the groceries, here for the medication, here for the liquor, and it's just a, a cycle. Did you find that challenge at all? You know, it's a great question. And, um, you know, I'm going to tell you, I didn't really have that challenge. And I think I, I know why. You know, that, that was Mimico Medical Clinic um, for 40 years. And then um, another brand came in. No need to say the name, but they came in, they changed the brand completely to something trendy and, and, and then four or five years, years later, they left to, towards another opportunity. So when I was thinking about the name for the clinic, it, there was no other option for me. I was going to call it Mimico Medical. 
And the first people to come in and support my clinic were the Mimico native residents, right? I'm also blessed to have, you know, contacts in the community, people who um, own, own Montessori schools uh, nearby. And, you know, we've been going to San Remo Bakery and, and we've known the family since I was a kid, you know, since since the guys who are running it now are a little bit older than me, you know. So, you know, when they came in, I think they sensed that uh, I, I they, we already kind of knew who everyone was. And I think the community was really warm. The, the pharmacy next door was extremely supportive. And, uh, you know, we haven't looked back since. And we continue to have tremendous support from the community. And yeah. we also are dedicated to supporting the community, you know, especially no, I... with everything that's going on. Like we haven't gotten into 2020 yet, right? No, so, not yet. Not yet. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a great transition. Darker, darker, eh? we, a... <laughs> we started so bright and happy, and now we're talking about challenges, and now we're, we haven't even talked about 2020 yet. No, no. <laughs> exactly, and that's the scary part because, man, like 2020 from a healthcare perspective, like, there's so many things that we can talk about. Um, uh, but let's let's hear about you know the challenges you faced in the beginning. Did you have to ever shut down? Because you're definitely an essential service, so – what was that process like it, in terms of shutdowns, non-shutdowns, and having to invest money into your business to equip you with all the sanitization, the plexiglass, uh, the anti-COVID stuff? So let's let's hear about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was crazy. Actually, you know, I was thinking about it uh, about a week before Duck Ford did the initial shutdown back in, I guess it was March, right? Yeah. Uh, but a week before I started locking the front door, I was starting to get a bad feeling. I was even worried about, like, security. You know, I have a lot of female staff where they're alone and, and uh, you know, a lot of valuable things there. So I, I instructed them that they lock the door and they would have to get up from the front desk and go open it up. And, you know, from there we had to, you know, somehow retrofit an old door. So uh, with, a, with a kind of a lock mechanism, magnet lock mechanism and right. wire a button and drill it into the desk. So I remember one night me and my, my pal, my brother, Audrius, who always helps me with these things. And we spent eight hours there. We started at like 8 uh, p.m. and didn't finish till 4 a.m., but we got it done. And um, he, he also he's a special guy, Audrius. He, um, you know, knew that the plexiglass had to go up. So he dropped everything he was doing. And he understands when I ask him and say something's you know, pressing for the safety of the staff. He really did drop everything. So we got the plexiglass up real quick. But then our phone line started going the quadruple volume and everybody has a bell story, right? So we've been, we've been, ha we've had a bell story for the last four or five months. It's a sag. It's ongoing. We're working on that. Um, so with the increased volumes of our phone lines, uh, capacities, things like that, you know, um, yeah, our emails exploded. So we had to put in AI. Uh, artificial intelligence to create workflows and streamline keywords and uh, delegate people to certain tasks. And do you offer um, delivery services? No, no. The pharmacy okay. next door does. Okay, right? okay. But we we don't. Deliver. Oh, I mean, you wouldn't of... deliver anything. Yeah, that's kind of. <laughs> well, no, maybe virtual. But virtual care is pertinent, right? So we're okay. doing a lot of. So you know, I'm piloting a, a a new program called Novari E Visit, and they're a company that's collaborating with the Ministry of Health. And it's kind of like a communication system two-way where the patient can, not for emergencies, but for something that could be addressed in the next two, two days, two business days, to yeah. just request a visit from the doctor directly and start a secure messaging 
uh, correspondence that could then turn into a phone call or an office visit or, an, you know, so that's really been working well for me. I've been piloting it. I'm, I'm hoping I could convince some of the other providers to get on it too, because it removes about four or five steps, you know, for going between the staff and the doctor and the staff and the patient. Right. Yeah, for sure. So it's, it's been a challenge. It, there was definitely overhead, a lot of overhead that, you know, money that needed to go into that. Um, but I, you know, I'll, I'll say for our, our business, I think, you know, in Canada, because of our cohesiveness of our, our financial systems, you know, I got to say, you know, the relief was very efficient um, and I was able to access it quickly. And, you know, I can tell your listeners that, you know, the I could say that the all the relief or more has probably gone strictly to improving our accessibility and the way we deliver care in this new world that will likely become a new normal. You see, yeah. this has not been easy for us. Um you know, we felt the impatience with our patients and we understand, especially when you're dealing with people's health. Um, but I could just say we're, we're really trying our, our hardest and we're always trying to improve, but it has been a big challenge. So the physical barriers have been put up now, like we were saying, it's endless the num- how we can continue to get better with this brand new landscape we're dealing with. Yeah. You know? are, are you finding that patients are like actually too scared to leave their homes now? So things are more challenging in that sense because that's definitely a fear that's happening for a lot of healthcare professionals maybe not so much someone who needs because a walk-in clinic like i feel from a service perspective is more pressing for someone to go to they need to go to the clinic so i'm not sure if they can just afford to not go to the clinic whereas maybe some people would avoid going to their dentist for however like they instead of going every three months they'll go every five or six just to avoid that so do you ever see that kind of stuff from from your side it's certainly a concern so for example um you know with, with with our diabetic patients we always like to get a lab requisition out to them every three months so i have been noticing more patients who are just not going to get their their blood work done and are deferring until after the pandemic yeah. um you know you mentioned our podcast series uh, we, we were kind of talking to specialists in in the community about um the impact COVID was having on their, their practice. And I, I'll never forget a cardiologist was, was wondering where all the heart attacks had gone all of a sudden from the emergency room. So we worry that, you know, that could present later on in more severe forms of congestive heart failure. We worry about diabetics presenting and, and not being under control or, or, or ending up to have cardiovascular disease or events because of it. And, you know, the, the real, you know, the, so, yeah, we, we do worry about that and we have seen those types of behaviors. For the most part, the good that's come out of it is that, you know, maybe patients aren't coming in and walking in so freely as it was before and, and maybe for unnecessary reasons. That I think you can start the majority of correspondences maybe in a virtual way, especially with what's going on. It's been working quite well. I think my patients have been very happy with the the easier accessibility. And I think I've been very happy with the fact that um, we're able to triage cases better and decide what can we deal with here on this message? What can we deal with, with a phone call? Um, and when, and then, I'm, you know, I just schedule my own appointments. Now it's much easier to do that to yeah. say, Hey, are you available on this day, this time for a call? And I'll give you a call. And so it's interesting. The landscape is changing very quickly. I think if people try and practice in the old way, they'll become obsolete very quickly. So yeah. I think it is a future to a certain degree. To what degree? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Tim, what inspired you exactly to start the idea that you have, like your clinic 
is like we said earlier it's not a common idea to have all those different kinds of professionals and under one roof uh, what was the was it more like a i want to make this a one-stop shop or is this just your love for different things within the within medicine because you sound like someone who's truly passionate about medicine and science like when i hear you speak about it it's not um transactional it's very personal it sounds like you're really invested in it so i just want to know is it just your genuine love and um, passion for science slash medicine or is it more a business decision because you also sound like a sound businessman as well so it could go either way well i'll say it's maybe one thing before those two which is honestly just bringing it back to the, the community and serving them the best way that we can and making it as convenient and accessible to a wide variety of services as we can you see um and then to answer your second you know about the other two what i would prioritize definitely i'm a doctor before not i'm i'm a businessman you know, I, I don't like to refer to myself as the owner, and there's a reason for that. Um, you know, I was once asked by one of my patients she, who knew I owned the clinic, and she looked at me, and she said, so are you an entrepreneur or are you a doctor? And I said, I'm always a doctor, number one. When yeah. I'm in here talking to you, I, business is so far out of my mind, it's not even funny. Yeah. I'm looking at your chart. I'm looking at all the numbers. I'm trying to figure out. I'm listening to you. I'm examining you. And you know, and I told her, I said, you know that, Amy, because it's true. Yeah. They all yeah. get my time. You know, I'm always trying to give them some kind of an answer or some kind of a plan before they walk out of that room. So I'm always a doctor before an entrepreneur. But yeah. what's beautiful about combining medicine entrepreneurship is that if you take care and provide quality medical services you will and as long as you're not being frivolous and very irresponsible with your the way you're managing the finances of your business yeah. you'll always succeed from a business perspective and the canadian system is beautiful in that way is it allows that to happen you see yeah for sure now i, I can probably guess this already but i want you to just confirm it or, or answer me tell me if i'm correct but because I've been a lot of I've been to a lot of clinics in my life, and some are very you can you know, come in, you sign in, then you wait in your seat, and you get called in. A doctor comes in, and you're on your way out. For you though, I feel like a clinic that's run by you, because of your personality, you say you're goofy, like to joke around and stuff. Is your culture in the clinic different? Like, is it more like upbeat, personal? Like when I come in, am I am I being you know, spoken to as an individual or is it more just, hey, come in, like, tra very transactional? I don't know because, like, we always talk about corporate culture and how important it is to have a culture within your business that, that you know, people want to come and work for and be passionate about and love. So is that something that you implement in your in your business? Well, you know, when I when I go to work and I'm, I'm there at work, certainly you need to be very professional and respectful and apolitical. Right. And all those words <laughs> that keep you neutral. Right. Yes. Yeah. So that's first and foremost. And, and as I have alluded to a couple of times, no, it's not transactional because transactional medicine wouldn't be acceptable to me. And I don't think any of the other seven family doctors or any of the other healthcare professionals would accept transactional types of care. So even Tara, she refuses to, um, you know, go solely virtual. 
and which she would probably be able to do in this day and age. And she needs to be there and help the patients the best that she can. It's just so she's taking the right precautions and she's waiting 15 minutes between every patient and wiping everything down in between and wearing our masks and our. So it's great. Right. So, no, our culture from you know, which started with kind of me and Tara there is, no, this isn't transactional. It's every interaction. It's, it, it's gotta be about giving the patient the type of care that they expect yeah. within reason, which yeah. is 99 out of a hundred percent of times we're on the same page as the patient, you know, yeah. but um, you know, it, it comes down to, to, and then with the staff, absolutely. We, we have fun and we smile and we laugh but there's a fine balance because sure, if, if if a patient is not treated in the way that we expect as physicians and management, then we have to be assertive and 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 make sure that people within the organization know that that's not okay. So um, again, it just always comes back to the patient. It can't be transactional. Everything's every interaction has to be different. And you know what? As a physician grows his practice and really gets to know his patients over the years. You see, um, this would be my third run around at it. So I had my three years in residency, I had a lot of continuity for those three years. Then the three years in North York, I had a lot of continuity. And, and a lot of those patients have come now and join me at Mimico Medical. But when you kind of have your 1,500 patients and a name pops up and you know what they look like and their past medical history and their medications pop in your head and you know what you talked to them about last time, it becomes a lot more personal. And then the care sure. reaches a much higher level, you see? Yeah. So earlier, Tim, you mentioned something that's a very important point. And one thing that I want to talk about is you said something uh, around the new norms of the way that practices are going to be run, the way that clinics are going to be operated. So I want to hear from you. What do you think is going to be implemented permanently? Like we always talk about, you know, until the vaccine is out and until it's out and and ready for people, we're most likely going to see masks mandatory, uh, you know, the increased sanitization the plexiglass do you think that these are all permanent things or or are these all you know temporary until the vaccine um because there's just so many so much to take in honestly so many rules and regulations look i'm not one to try to predict the future you know i have no idea i i don't know the timeline i i don't know what is is going to happen with the vaccine, you know, things are very politicized and there's a lot of media coverage. And, and, you know, if from, I, I read the Pfizer study and from, you know, what I'm reading, uh, maybe we shouldn't even get into that. Actually, I'm not even going to touch that. I don't know what the new yeah, normal is going to be. Okay. I don't know what the new normal is going to be, but there is going to be a new normal. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then the other thing I wonder about, right. Is I wonder, you know, when we're past the pandemic, when we're in the healthcare environment, um, what psychological impact will that have had on my patient population? So yeah. will some people now really not want to come in to labs and do their lab work or go do the tests that they should do? And, you know, yeah. Um, and then I also, you know, wonder if we're going to move more towards uh, a virtual model of care. You know, I think to a certain degree, we're going to have to. So, yeah, it, it'll yeah. be it'll that's, be interesting. It'll be that's, interesting. That's interesting. You, you mentioned that because I was just reading up on something a few weeks ago. Um, Amazon pharmacy that they're launching. Have you read up on this at all or seen it at all? 
Yeah, and and I have read up about it. It, it seems like there's nothing Amazon can't do at can't this point, do. right? Exactly. Yeah, they they, they want to yeah. mess around and bought the PillPack software for like seven hundred million dollars, and are going to turn that into like one and a half point, one point five to two billion, in like overnight. So, uh, but that that in itself is slightly scary for healthcare professionals. And what are the possibilities? Like, what's going to stop people from having AI doctors? Like. They're just machines that are trained to answer your questions because if that's the way we're going to go, like where do you draw the line? So from my impressions of, of what I know about medicine, I don't think in our lifetime we'll see doctor AI doctors that can can be as good of a doctor as I can be, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Because at, Bring the, end it of the, day, at the end of the day, if you think about the number of clinical questions we have, they're you know, almost infinite. And probably the clinical answers we have from very rigorous and well-designed and funded clinical trials is probably a fraction of that or a fraction of a fraction of that. So a lot of the decisions we make in medicine, right, are not based on science. That's why you hear the word science. We hear the word science. Well, people have a a mistaken um, synonym where evidence-based medicine means science. But that's not evidence-based medicine is a triad. The first one is science and research, right? And the scientific method. Number two is actually patient preference. And number three is the clinician's experience. So I don't see computers being able to take the data that we have. I just don't think we have enough data to be able to tie everything together. They may be able to deal with certain simple problems, Right. Maybe we get supplanted for certain things. Yeah. You know, certainly. Which is, how, which is what I see it happening as in the beginning. They'll just launch it for a few services. But it's just scary, man. The idea of that, like everything you can find a, an AI version of everything. So where do you draw the line? Like? Well, and, and like you mentioned, Amazon, I mean, the farm, the, the pharmacies, you know, for Amazon to now be distributing uh, by mail for competitive prices. Right. Um, this is this is a big disruption in the industry. Absolutely. You see? Things and, are things yeah. are changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing is, he has the luxury because he has so many other parts of his business making all this money that they can risk, you know, afford to do that on the prime thing and give people discounted prices. And at that point, it's like, man, like I remember when Costco came around the scene and started giving people all these cheap medications that became a problem. And now Amazon's bringing it to your doorstep for cheap. Hey, listen, if Amazon Tough. starts bringing doctors to doorsteps, I'm going to have to do something about that. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to compete somehow. But Is I mean, Amazon I guess that's, Prime, a whole guy to your doorstep. I, I, I mean, I guess that's where the beauty of being in the community is, is, you know, I. I don't think that that's what the expectation the expectation would be yeah. um, in the community is to to compete with Amazon. And my hope is that as long as we just keep providing that culture of care and and providing that timely and compassionate, comprehensive model yes. that um, you know I I I don't feel like I will need to compete with a behemoth like that as long as I stay in my niche and and keep focusing on what I know how to do and and that's kind of the beauty of being an entrepreneur in the medical industry is, um, you know, to disrupt what, what we're doing and it could happen. You know, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Inshallah it doesn't, right? Inshallah it doesn't. You said it right. Exactly, bro. That's right. Of course I did. Yeah, I Heck you out of you. Yeah, just a little bit. But shwaya, shwaya. Yeah. But before I give you back the rest of your evening, man, I just want to ask you one last thing, Tim. Um, 
if you had to pinpoint one thing, and I know it's the hardest thing because there's probably a list of like 10 plus things, but if you had to pinpoint one thing that you love most about what you do, um, not necessarily just medicine, but about what you do, what your business is, your services, everything. If you have to pinpoint one thing that you love most about it, what would that thing be? For me, it, it it's watching people get better. Whatever the problem is, when they come in with a problem, I'm trying to figure out a way to make them feel better. And part of that, sometimes they feel better right away because of what I've, what I've said or done. Sometimes they feel better in a few weeks or a few days because of what I've said or done. But sometimes people don't start getting better until you work with them for months and years and years and decades. And sometimes they never get fully better, but you're making a difference. And so yeah. that's what I love the most about my job. And I also love the variety of what I do. You know, I, I you know, uh, I could be in one room and I could inject a, a shoulder or a knee and then I could walk into another room and have a newborn that's literally two days old that I'm going to examine and then walk into another room and, and have a, a cognitive therapy session. Um, and the detective work is a lot of fun, too, when when someone comes in with complaints of symptoms and you have to now investigate and manage um, so I think the thing I love the most about what I do is ultimately seeing a patient satisfied. So I, if I can't give them an answer, I'm always trying to give them a plan and I'm yeah. always trying to explain it to them so that they can understand it. And I think if you do that, that's the key to seeing them satisfied when they walk out, out of the room or end the, the zoom call or whatever it is. Yeah. So that, that's what I love most about what I do. Amen, brother. I like that answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very fitting. Uh, but with that, man, Tim, thank you so much for your time. I had a blast. It was Me a great too. conversation. I thought it was um, it was very lax. I didn't re- re- I was kept checking the time because I didn't know how, how much time I was taking. Well, we like, almost went down the rabbit hole there. It's good. Yes. We stayed out of it, though. Yeah, we, we, out, we did right? almost go down. Did we but stay out? We yeah, stayed we stayed out. out. Think, we right? stayed out. Right, we definitely right. stayed out. You don't have to edit anything or cut anything or anything. <laughs> Maybe one or two things, but no, no. For the most uh, part, yeah. we are absolutely good, man. But uh, well, I appreciate your time again, man. Thank you so much. Thank and you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening, Tim. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the Mimico MD himself. So what a great conversation it was. And uh, Tim and I connected and it's great to talk to anyone who has a similar passion for podcasting. And that's sort of how our relationship started. And then from there we went into um, talking about business and, and his business. And I thought it was a great idea. So he said, Hey, let's, let's do this. And we did it. And I appreciate it. That was an awesome conversation. Shout out to Tim, shout out to Mimico MD and shout out to my listeners, man. Uh, Thank you. I know Tim alluded to this earlier, but thank you for helping me get to 5k total plays. Hopefully we're 10k next. And, uh, to the moon hopefully one day so i appreciate your support you know where to find me i'm on listener apple Podcasts, and spotify please continue to support and i'll come at you next episode